I just know you're going to love the guests that we have on in this episode. So don't go away. Welcome to the interview. I'm Dr. Rick Wadge. I have a good friend of mine and of Israel TV Network, probably viewers too. That is Gary Christofaro. <laughs> Hi, Rick. Good to from see you. From Ezra, 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 Ezra International. International. <laughs> what is Ezra International, my friend? Ezra International has been in uh, the work of the Aliyah. We're helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people from the former Soviet Union, from South America, from many countries, 17 in fact. Uh, helping them get home to Israel. And we've been doing that now for over 25 years. You know, I guess for most people, because I'm aware of what you do, Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm probably not the typical person, but for, for many people, I would think, they would think, well, why don't they just go to Israel? <laughs> that's, no, that's probably true, especially right? for the American Jewish community. Uh, we as uh, witnesses to their... their uh, affluence or influence in the United States probably think this is kind of strange. But in the countries we work in, as I mentioned a moment ago, we work with the poorest of the poor. And we're talking about countries that have been historically anti-Semitic, they've been uh, oppressed, pushed down, mm -hmm. they don't have anything. And so the idea of making a trip, moving their entire lives, mm. uh, you know, all they've ever known is the, the nation that they're in, moving all that to Israel, moving themselves and learning a new language, leaving everything behind, family and, mm -hmm. and friends, that's daunting. And it's impossible from a financial standpoint for most of the people that we work with. So we come alongside them and we pay for the, you know, the things that they need, their, their passports mm -hmm. and uh, provide all the transportation that they need. I mean, some of the things that may be uh, completely unknown to our audience is that Every Jewish person and every family member has to present themselves to an Israeli consulate. These, um, the gen the uh, what's it, consul general, excuse me, has to approve their Jewishness, which means all of their documents have to have been researched, and we do that. We have to pay for these these documents. We have to drive them to these meetings, because in some cases it, it could be hours and hours or thousands of kilometers from where they live. So we have to get them there. They have to go through these meetings. They have to then return home and wait for the process to happen. All of this costs money that they don't have. Okay, how long is the process typically? It can be as short as a few months. It could be as long as years. Oh. It could take three, four years. I've even heard of a case that I think that took up to seven years. Uh, it can take a long time. Okay, so uh, when you talk about anti-Semitism mm -hmm. in Ukraine and parts of Europe, uh, is it like it is here in the United States where you know people are blaming the Jewish people for, I mean, everything, 9-11, the Twin Towers, uh, COVID-19, yeah. you know, the Jews always get blamed for everything, which is ridiculous, by the way. But yeah. uh, is it like that or is it, it worse? Is. No, it's it's that and worse. I mean, you're right. You bring up the pandemic. They've been blamed for COVID-19 and they believe, you know, their, their lives are being spread, that they're profiting from it, that they caused it. 
But it, it all depends on the country we're looking at. I mean, ultra-nationalistic movements, say like in Hungary, where the, the Nazi party is even uh, re-emerged and is quite powerful, um, that versus uh, Islamic anti-Semitism. And when you think about the Islamic invasion of Europe, and then you have ultra-nationalistic movements, mm -hmm. now you've got yes. a clash, mm -hmm. and the Jews are caught in the middle of that. Uh, when you think of the church in places like uh, Ukraine or Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church is very anti-Semitic. It's replacement theology, and they're very anti-Semitic. So, you know, we're coming along as Christians to these Jewish people who have never been treated with respect or love or any of any kind from a Christian in their in their home home uh, nation, and. People are blown away. It took a long time for us to build that trust, but we've been able to do that. Now, you brought up one of the uh, one of the topics that's uh, I want to say near and dear to my heart, but not in a positive way. I know what you mean. And that is the anti-Semitism or replacement theology within the church. Now, when we think about places like Europe and some of the high high churches, like some of the Russian Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, right? Yeah. But it's more insidious, I think, here in the United States because there's a lot of denominations that they vote against the Jewish people. They're um, they're boycotting, yeah. they're boycotting their goods that come out of Israel. They're and they're still dispensational and anti-Israeli in many ways without the people really recognizing it. Yeah, it, it's very sad, Rick. I know what you're saying when you say near and dear to your heart, but in a, in a negative way because. Here we are trying to show a, a, a face of our Messiah that is, that is very pro-Israel. He was Jewish, pro-Jewish. And, and as much as you've done it unto the least of these, my brothers, exactly. you've done it unto me. We always think, oh, well, that's a Christian. That's not the context. Matthew 25, you're exactly right. The context of that can be found from Joel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. It's the judgment of the nations yes. and how they're treating the, the Jewish, Jewish people. people. Absolutely. No, hands down. It's you know, clear. we always think that uh, when, we're, when we're thinking about justification in Christianity, that justification is entirely about how we view Messiah. Okay, I'll go along with that to an extent. Mm. Because if... We view the Messiah only in what he's done for us sacrificially, but we don't view what the Messiah said we should be doing. In That's other right. words, we can be disobedient, live any way we want to. Right. Then are we really following him as our rabbi and our Messiah? I, I, I would say not. Because, I mean, he was very clear that as you treat my brethren, you're treating me. Yes. Uh, Romans 15, verse 8, I believe it is, says that he, he became a servant to the circumcision, mm -hmm. a servant to the Jewish people, mm -hmm. in order to confirm the promises made to them by the fathers. Right. You know, uh, the, that God made to the fathers. And I believe that's exactly what we're doing by coming in and serving the Jewish people humbly, being there to yes. help them through this process. Not with some evil desire. If we do no, this, no. then we can trick right. them into leaving Judaism and coming to Christianity. Right. Exactly. No hidden agenda. We're right. doing this because our, our Messiah told us we should and because we're, we're following his, his example of being a servant to them. And then, like, like I said, we're confirming 
the promises made to the fathers by the fact that we tell them they can go home to Israel. Well, what was the covenant made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they would have a land that was, they could call their own forever? Mm -hmm. and, and so when we remind them of that in line with the fact that uh, Israel has the right of return law, we're the first people to let them know that and mm -hmm. remind them that they have this opportunity to go home. I love it. And I want to follow up on what you said about the churches in America because now it's, it's and I think you used the word veiled. Um, if not, it's a good term because it's veiled anti-Semitism wrapped up in this anti-Zionism. But it's the same, it's the same hatred. It's the same idea mm -hmm. of uh, trying to, to put them down or claim that they are something less than right. you or I, you know, that Israel is judged in a different scale. Um, and, and it's the same thing. It's, it's anti-Semitism veiled as anti-Zionism. I mean, we could, we could talk about, we could do a whole series yeah. and uh, very easily on these topics. All right, so for a moment, uh, and I'm not trying to trick you, but for a moment, if it was a perfect world, uh -huh. and it always been a perfect world, other than maybe Adam and Eve, you know, they messed up, and so <laughs> we have to deal with that. But a perfect world, would there be Christianity? Or would there only be Judaism? <laughs> I like that question because if this perfect world had continued, we would have this people that were called of God, the children of God, and we who are grafted in, who are the adopted children, would be following the same path. Uh, we'd be following the example of our Messiah, but we would be following the same path. So, uh, no, I, th I think it would look quite different, Rick. <laughs> no, That's a good way from. to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to trap you in anything, but I mean, to me, when I think through that, that issue, and I thought through it before I asked you, yeah. I would agree with you 100% yeah. that it's either Judaism with Messiah or Judaism without Messiah. Mm -hmm. Either way, Judaism's waiting for Messiah. Yeah. And um, if our Messiah does not bear all the marks of being Jewish, then we don't understand who he is. That, no, that's such a great point. If, if we really understood who the Messiah was, we, we would have everybody, all of the churches in America, would be rallying behind this work to help his people Absolutely. get home to Israel. Because it's prophetic. It is prophetic. It's spoken of more than any other prophetic event in all of Scripture. And I would, I would believe that every church would want to get behind this because if they knew who their Messiah was and they loved him and he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and, and you, you know, you will, mim you, you, we were, we're to emulate him, do all that he Okay, did. so since I'm going down this devious road, um, would every church be studying the Torah? I, absolutely. It's the foundation of who we are. You know, I, I've, always, I've always said it this way, when we only look at the New Testament, as we call it, and that's all we teach, it's like trying to build a building with the rafters without building the foundation. I agree. We, we need to understand where we come from, who we are. And yet know? one of the largest churches in our nation, one of the most well-known pastors, preachers in our nation, has said that we need to unhitch ourselves I, I've heard uh, that. From the Old Testament. And so if you unhitched yourself from the topics, the lessons, the stories, the mandates in the Old Testament, there would be no basis to even understand the New Testament. You're in fact, the New Testament itself 
What is that concept of New Testament? Where does that come from? Well, I believe it comes from that separation that we've seen. You know, the, uh, I know that there's many terms we might use that maybe not everybody's familiar with, but a Constantinian church, mm -hmm. the church that I believe was born in divorce of its Hebraic root, made that division of a, a document that really is commentary mm -hmm. on the earlier writings, the Hebrew writings. And it really has caused the church to, to, to be the, uh, the wrong witness to the Jewish people and to the world in many ways. Now, I, I listen, I know that there are many great churches out there and I, I want to be careful, yeah, yeah. but we also know, like the, the gentleman, the pastor that you just mentioned, that's mm -hmm. a dangerous, dangerous statement. It that's is. unhitching. Well, where do we find these instructions that, that all, are all quoted in what we call the New Testament? All in the Tanakh, the older, the older Testament. And we're using language here trying to, uh, to, to reach to an to appeal to our, our entire audience, but we really under, should understand mm -hmm. the Torah, the, the Tanakh, what we call the Old Testament, yes. is the, the foundation of our faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we look at, we think of Yeshua coming back mm -hmm. one day and we read the prophecies, say, for example, Isaiah chapter two, where it says he's mm -hmm. going to come back mm -hmm. and he's going to teach the law, as we say in English. Mm -hmm. But the word there in Hebrew is Torah. Mm -hmm. You said, should we be teaching it still yes. today? Yes. When he comes back, he's going to teach okay. the Torah. Okay, so that's exactly right. It's one of the one of the characteristics of Messiah that he'll bring his Torah. That's right. Right? Okay, so when Jesus, Yeshua, uh, talks about keeping his commandments, what's he referring to? He has to be referring to <laughs> the Tanakh, the Torah. Yes. Okay, so we could go on with this for a long, long yeah. time, and it's, I mean, it's so beneficial. I mean, yeah. you know, I think one of the mistakes, though, that's made real quick is that when churches find, when pastors find, when congregants find that there's the Jewishness of Scripture and that we're missing out on so much uh -huh. by not understanding it in its own context, the right context, then sometimes they don't then also still read much of the New Testament epistles. And I think that's an error because um, most of the epistles are saying, you weren't raised in Judaism, we're going to teach you how to practically work that out in your Gentile lives. That's a good point because one of the mistakes that I think we as Christians make is when we're reading, when we're reading the New Testament scriptures mm -hmm. and it says something about the Word of God, we're thinking, okay, they're talking about this word that they're Matthew, that Mark, Luke, and John. Right. But no, when they reference the word of God, they're referencing the Torah the, and the, uh, of course. the Tanakh, the prophets and the Torah. Like uh, Paul Rothschild talks to Timothy. Right. He says, you learned this from your, your mother, your grandmother. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Okay. Yeah. So, Gary Kustafaro, you have a show <laughs> on Israel TV Network. It is called. It's all about the Aliyah. It is all about the Aliyah. It's amazing how, how much it is about the Aliyah in our day, in this generation. Um, I've had some great comments come back to me telling me, and these are people who already support the Aliyah, saying, mm -hmm. I didn't know how much I didn't know about oh. the Aliyah. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity of Israel TV Network to give me this platform to be able to share these things because especially this generation, 
you know, that is witnessing this final return of the Jewish people. Right. We should be so excited and so honored to be that generation to be witnessing what the prophets could only have dreamed about. And so Israel TV Network, Israel TV Network has given me an opportunity to share it with the world. And I'm very grateful for that. Well, we're grateful for you, too. And I mean that. And and Ezra International, I Mm. I consider you both the same, but also different. Mm. Uh, Now, we're also working. You're here in the center of the planet, uh, the apple of God's eye, Amarillo, Texas, Amen. where everything happens and fraud does not take place in the electoral system. So, all right. So, so if you didn't catch that, I dated the program. We're yeah. in 2020, the, toward the end of the year, waiting for God's miracle to take place. Yeah. So, but you're here because we've been filming something very special. Tell us about it. Well, you know, Again, dating this program is... Which is not. Which is Dating okay. a program is inexpensive. You take them to the movies, only one popcorn. <laughs> you gotta... you're, a cheap, you're a cheap date. <laughs> See right? what I mean. Okay. Well, you know, we're in the midst of the pandemic still. And that, that's, that's, let's really go ahead and date this thing. And that has caused, uh, you know, the problem of getting the word out. Yes. You know, our, our representatives in this country who have been trying desperately to get back into churches, and many of those churches, of course, throughout the spring and summer have been closed, were closed. Sure. And so now- Many of them won't open again. Some will not open again. And unfortunately now there, some of our guys are getting back into the churches. But this program and then, uh, well, my program, and now this commercial that we're making, or. Uh, let's call it a program because it's 30 yeah, minutes, right? It's a 30 minute. It's, it's an attempt to get into the homes and into the lives and the hearts and minds of the people that we can't reach face to face. And this, the topic? And the topic is uh, the, the work of the Aliyah, the Ezra mm-hmm. International's work in helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people get home to Israel. What does Aliyah mean? Aliyah is a Hebrew word that literally means to ascend mm-hmm. because the idea is, you know, when you go to Israel, and you and I have both been there, we know you go to Israel, it's a spiritual ascent, Mm -hmm. you know, and going, even going from Israel proper into, you know, up to Jerusalem, it's called going up. No matter where you're coming from, it's called going up Mm -hmm. to Jerusalem because it's a spiritual ascent. So you make Aliyah to Israel, you make Aliyah to Jerusalem. Even going to the Bema and grabbing the Torah scroll is called Mm -hmm. making Aliyah Mm -hmm. because you're going up um, and so it's associated with a spiritual ascent, and the return to Israel is a spiritual ascent, and has become synonymous now with the Jewish people in these latter days returning to Israel. So when we say okay. making Aliyah, we're talking about this process of Jewish people going home. What percentage of Christians do you think understand not only that Aliyah exists and is still taking place, but that it's so prominent and important in Scripture. That's a tough call, but I would think it's quite the minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, I mean, uh, you've heard me say this before, the, the prophecies are there and it's hidden in plain sight. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that say that the, the Jewish people will return home to Israel in the latter days. It's even found in Deuteronomy, beginning in Deuteronomy, Moses speaks of it. Mm-hmm. It's a, he, God told them mm-hmm. that if they were disobedient, they would be scattered. And even before they set one foot in the land the first time, they were told they'd be scattered, but they would return. 
There's always that promise of return, Rick. And so it's all there, but we haven't, uh, I just don't know if we've been taught properly. Mm -hmm. uh, most Christians are unaware that this is going on. Now, with the exception of our very, very faithful partners, as, as Ezra International has faithful partners in churches and there, there are other others, uh, corporations that give uh, that have been so faithful for so many years. But if you ask for a percentage, I'd have to say it's, it's probably less, small. less than 5% yeah. Yeah, of Christianity. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we go ahead and watch a, a commercial okay. that we worked together on? And uh, take a look at that. You can comment on it a little bit afterwards. And then let's talk about what we can do as um, normal believers to support this effort that God wants supported. How about that? Amen. Sounds All good. All right. So we're going to come right back. Take a look at this commercial for Ezra International. On the 26th day of September 1941, the following order was posted. All Yids of the city of Kiev and its vicinity must appear on Monday, September 29th by 8 o'clock in the morning. Bring documents, money and valuables, and also warm clothing, linen, etc. Any Yid who does not follow this order and are found elsewhere will be shot. September 29th and 30th of 1941 marked one of the largest massacres of Jewish people in the history of the Holocaust. Kiev Ukraine Jews were ordered to report and believed that they were going to be relocated, yet they were stripped of their belongings and then of their clothing. They were marched into a ravine 150 meters long, 30 meters wide, and 15 meters deep. Most victims could not have known what was happening until it was too late. By the time they heard the machine gun fire, there was no chance of escape. Over 33,000 Jewish people were massacred at Baba Yar. Nearly 80 years later, Ezra International remembers the tragedy at Baba Yar in Kiev, Ukraine. Anya was saved by her mother, who gave her fake documents to escape just before the massacre. And Ezra International helped Anya finally make Aliyah to Israel. You can help us return the poorest of the poor Jewish people to their biblical homeland. Only $30 per month for a year can make the dream of Aliyah a reality for one Jewish person. Call the number below or go to ezrainternational.org and stand with us as we say, never again. Okay, we're back. Gary, talk to us about what we just saw. It was heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. The woman that you saw in this commercial was a woman that I met personally. And I, I mean, I feel eternally blessed and privileged the fact that I was the one who captured her story on a little GoPro camera. Um, I don't even know if, if she's ever shared this story mm -hmm. with, with anybody. I'd, I'd love to find out. It, it belongs in Yad Vashem. But she shared this story of, of her uh, surviving the Holocaust, the Babylon Massacre, as you saw in the commercial. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we had to come help her you know, now because after, after over 70 years of hiding her identity, we had to prove, help her prove her Jewishness. As I said in the first half, you know, the Israeli consulate has to be convinced of someone's Jewishness. So that's what we do. 
and she and her son made Aliyah. That's, that's the beauty of this thing, is that we actually got to help a Holocaust survivor mm -hmm. get home to Israel after all these years. It's like the perfect yeah. ending to a horrible story. Yeah, it, it, it is. When you think about yeah. this, I mean, I, I don't think we can wrap our minds around mm -hmm. what happened there. I mean, if, if anybody in our audience doesn't know about the horrific events of Babiar, uh, you should look it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were over, I think it was close to 34,000 people killed in just two days mm -hmm. at those killing pits in uh, Kiev, Ukraine, at Babiar. Horrific. It is horrific. It's hard to wrap your mind around something so bad, so horrible that, and you, and you wonder, could something like that happen in the United States? You know, we have this expression when it comes to the Holocaust, never again. And I've often said, we cannot truly say never again, as long as Jewish people are living in notoriously anti-Semitic countries. Now, the United States has been a safe haven up until recently, and we do see more uh, incidences of uh, anti-Semitism. But there are countries after country out there that, uh, you know, that's not the case. And we feel that we have a duty, uh, a mandate, uh, to get them home, to get them home to Israel. You know, because there's no logic behind anti-Semitism. Obviously, there's no evidence that the right. Jewish people have acted any way overall except honorable right. in every society that they're a part of. So it's a demonic thing. It's mm -hmm. a very spiritual, yeah. um, against God yeah. type of plan, this scheming to put the Jews down. And we've seen that since the beginning of time. Yeah, it's an ancient hatred. Yes. Absolutely. But to think that that has existed from time to time in the United States is... Uh, that's part of our history. Not a good part, but it is a part of our history. Yeah, we're, we're seeing it. I know that uh, I've seen videos of uh, Orthodox Jewish people being attacked brutally in New yes. York City streets. Um, we've seen, in our recent history, we've seen the attacks on synagogues. Um, so it's not a good situation. I, I think we try, to, we try to believe that it's an isolated incident. But it's not. It's a growing problem. And yes. uh, one day, I think the decision from the United States will have to be made as well. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, part of the solution to this is for Christian believers to realize where the roots of their own faith that they are so engendered to. That's where it starts. And, uh, and understand that these are your brothers. Mm -hmm. These are your sisters. And that you're not better than them, you're alongside of them. In fact, Paul explains this very well in Romans chapter 11. Good point. I mean, he tells us that we're not to boast, we're not to get arrogant, because that root that we're talking about supports us, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And it's the one uh, warning that went unheeded, mm -hmm. you know, that, that the, the, maybe the most serious warning that Paul gives us, yes. and it went unheeded by the church for the most part. Mm -hmm. We are dependent on them. They gave us who we are today. They gave us the Word of God. They gave us all the prophets. They gave us our Messiah. Yeah, this idea of deicide mm. is something that was, I guess, coined in the Middle Ages toward the Jewish people. It's a term that just basically means killing God. And so the Jewish people have been blamed by the church since before the time of, uh, well, after, well, before Constantine, yeah, before. all the way through 
to uh, Martin Luther, uh, all the way past, and and still some today. And yet, the facts are, the Jewish people could not in the first century kill Jesus. Well, that's very true. They had to turn it over to the governing exactly. authority, which was so. Rome. So, what was the nationality of those who actually killed Jesus? Yeah, this was the Romans. You know, they were Gentiles. Gentiles, yeah. And, and you know, that we, we, a lot of times I think we want to say, well, yes, it was Constantinian church, that, that Orthodox church. But you mentioned Martin Luther. You know, yeah. he started out trying to reform the church, but, but ended up being a vehement anti-Semite. And mm -hmm. he conditioned Europe for 400 years. Yes. You know, his writings were the same writings that had been dissipated throughout Europe that Hitler used to establish his policies in Nazi Germany, and the people went along with it because they had been conditioned by, by these words. So we're coming to the end of our okay. time together. I mean, we could do episode after episode on some of the things going on, especially pandemic and everything else. Friends, uh, we're glad that you're a viewer, a watcher, a person who prays for Israel TV Network and also that you're praying for Ezra International mm -hmm. and for Gary. Uh, you've got a lot on your shoulders. Uh, it's a very stressful time for any 501c3, especially one trying to reach out to the Jewish people across borders mm -hmm. when there's war going on That's and right. bring them home. So God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to get the word out here uh, because, you know, as you said, with the pandemic, mm -hmm. Any way we can get this word out, we need to do it. We do. Amen. Gary, thank you for being here. Thank you, Rick. And thank you for watching the interview. We'll see you next time. Shalom, shalom.